Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. We have on the phone with us now Craig McTurk, who is the director of The Last Artisan Film, uh, and he is based here in Singapore. Good morning, Glenn. Hi, how are you? Well, we're doing very well, thank you. And, you know, we, uh, Neil and I have both seen the film and, and uh, an amazing look at all the work that goes into uh, uh, taking care of that amazing landmark in Singapore. And how, how did you get the idea to to come up with shooting a film there and focusing on, on Mr. Toe, this last sort of care Tio, rather, who's been this caretaker who's been there for so many decades? Well, you know, I've been in Singapore now for nearly 19 years, and I've been to Hot Park Villa a number of times. And uh, so I always had an I, it always attracted me as a as a place, uh, kind of lo- uh, lost in time kind of place. And then I saw an interesting article in Straits Times. There was actually uh, it was a photo essay done by a former student of mine, and it was all about Mr. Teal and uh, just uh, you know poignant photos of him walking around Harpar Villa doing his job. Uh, and I sensed, you know, could there be a story there? Um, but I didn't want to have it just be Mr. Teal sitting and talking about bygone days. Um, so what I learned is over time that, that he was in the process of handing over, handing over his paintbrush, so to speak, to the next generation. And in this case, it was two, it's two, uh, two, two workers from China who came to Singapore exactly to do this job. You know, they were trained as painters to take over his job. So that, that really appealed to me because I thought, here I can follow this story as it's actually happening. And it won't just be Mr. Tio's memories, but it'll be, it'll be a story of the, the handover process, you know, for, for better and worse. And, uh, yeah, I think what we got is a rich, a rich look at um, just how, how difficult it can be to uh, let go of the job that you've been doing for 70 years. Yeah, and just on that point, for the benefit of our listeners, maybe you could tell them, you know, how much of a, an entrenched part of Hall Paul Villa, Cho Vu Seng was. I mean, you could explain that it started with his family, didn't it? This sure. is a generational thing. Yeah. Um, his, in, in the early days, like in, you know, when they were starting the park in the 1930s and the 1940s, um, they actually had, they had a residence where the, they had some uh, apartments. I guess it, back in those days, it was closer to a kampong. But they had a kampong where the workers would live. And Mr. Tio and his family grew up in on that kampong, uh, you know, where all the craftsmen lived, craftspeople lived. He raised a large family there, you know, and they, uh, he was, he and his father worked there. And then they, some of the family members uh, sold uh, drinks and refreshments. So it became kind of a family enterprise and they all grew up there. Uh, and of course they don't live there now. And that, that uh, residence for the craftspeople no longer exists, but they were basically part and parcel of the, of the whole, uh, hot part villa experience. And the family even had, um, you know, just to take you back in time, Mr. Tio was hired by one of the original Al brothers. Mm. Uh, so that's how far back uh, it goes. Yeah. I believe he started, uh, as, as the, your documentary said, when he was 13 years old as an apprentice and worked his way up and, and finally literally saw, 
everybody else who was working there around him retire and or die until uh, he was the last guy, uh, which that in itself must be just, you know, a crazy experience to have. Um, but then, you know, he mentioned over the years he tried to find people to, to take his place. And, um, you know, we, when we all, all, those of us who have been there know the scale of that place and how just uh, amazing that would be. You can't even think about one person uh, taking care of that whole place, all the statues and the paintings. Well, it's over a thousand statues. Yeah, it's uh, just, you know, it's, it's massive. Uh, but this, it, it's interesting the way he handles the bringing on of these two new apprentices uh, and and one he clearly likes a little bit more than the other one, <laughs> or feels that one does a better job than the other one does. Uh, but it, it's kind of an interesting interplay between them as as a subtext of the story. That came out, uh, you know, when we were filming, because when we originally started filming in about uh, 2016, the younger apprentice was was not there. Mm. It was just uh, the one the. The apprentice would, uh, it was the older apprentice who had been there for some years. Right. And uh, so that, the, that whole dynamic of, uh, you know, the, the two apprentices and one might be the, the favorite and one the less favorite, that all came out when we were filming. I thought it was, might be a problem when we go to show the film, and I thought, oh, okay, maybe the, the apprentices won't be so comfortable with having it shown. But it was actually the reverse. They looked at the film and they said, "That's actually how it is. That's uh, we want it. We like it like that because you're you're telling it like it is." So uh, I was relieved, you know, yeah. uh, before we showed it. Well, that was the interesting thing uh, for me was watching it. I, I obviously I didn't know what to expect beyond the fact it was going to be the end of a journey for this wonderful man, this last artisan at Hallport Villa. But then I found it take an interesting emotional turn where I felt it became very poignant and there was a deep appreciation for migrant labour in Singapore, something that's particularly relevant at the moment. And you, we don't forget, but sometimes we gloss over the fact that these guys often have families back in their countries. They're here supporting their wives and their children. And I thought that was a really poignant look at migrant labor in that documentary. Was that something you thought about during the filming? Uh, well, Neil, yeah, I was, I was thinking about that because I did want to, I did want to honor the work that they do. Um, I mean, they came here, they, they do come here and they leave their families behind in China. Um, and they work long hours under the sun. It's not, it's not especially well paid, but they're very uh, appreciative of the job, and they they like having their their artistic talent on display. So I did want to honor like the work that they do, and and basically uh, help to maybe correct some, or at least I don't want to say correct some wrongs, but just maybe change the mindset and let people know, okay, these these uh, sculptures are actually everyone is painted by hand. They're they're mended by hand, and there's no way to do that with the robot or, or automatically. And uh, yeah, I, we have these guys to thank for doing, the, uh, you know, a great job of preserving Singaporean history. And on that point, um, you know, sometimes we're very derogatory towards the term migrant labor. And one thing I thought you got across very well: this is not just, you know, brain dead blue collar work. This is skilled artisanship this is real quality work just looking at the painting of of the monkey's faces 10 12 15 different shades of brown blacks and whites just go into one monkey's face in one of a thousand statues 
you know, I thought the documentary really got across that these guys are skilled craftsmen. I mean, was that something you had in mind? I did want to bring out, I mean, you know, we, we decided to shoot the film in 4K, which gives you, you know, really uh, high dynamic High, high dynamic range of color and everything. Uh, so I did want to bring out those that coloration that they can do and all the detail. And, and uh, yeah, I did try to get across in the film that sometimes they actually have to paint over the work. It might not be up to par, and then they have to redo it. And Mr. Tio was adamant about that. Sometimes he would make them redo the same uh, face or same design a handful of times. Hmm. Uh, and I, it, it is... Uh, what I like about it is it's kind of an, the way I wanted to portray it in the film is it's kind of like an analog way of doing things in it. And Singapore is increasingly digital. And so I, I really love that, you know, that kind of twist on things where yeah. they're, they're preserving something that's in a way it's kind of dying out in the rest of the, of Singapore. And that's, I'm, I'm a heritage lover and that's what I really wanted to uh, tell in this film and luckily, I got very lucky that all three, Mr. Tio, uh, Hua Bing, and Jin Long, they all were really uh, natural in front of the camera. Mm. And they were quite open in sharing their stories. So I, I felt like I got lucky. Yeah, we're speaking with Craig McTurk, who's the director of The Last Artisan at Har Par Villa, the story of Mr. Tio, the 70-year-old gentleman who's retired now, retired a couple of years ago, and his apprentices that took over to take care of over 1,000 statues uh, at that uh, most Singaporean of places uh, out on the west side. And, Craig, uh, the editing took you, took you over a year to do, and I, and I had read from notes you gave us that your, one of your former students at the university um, started doing the editing and then became a professional, so you had to pay him afterward. Um, but uh, the editing process, there must have been a lot of choices you could make on film that you would use, scenes you would use. Of course, you have a lot of historic uh, pictures and and some even some uh, reenactments and things uh, that that have been done. What was that process like for you to to go through all of that to figure out what choices you should make, uh, what should what should make it into the final film, and what should be on the cutting room floor? That yeah, that was really hard because of course you always shoot more than what you need. Uh, so what we did was. We found at the beginning that it was too hard to just uh, create the whole film at one go. So we, we did it scene by scene, basically. We would do, try to make one scene work. Uh, and then when that worked, we would, you know, we would basically put it aside and then move on to the next scene. We waited until we had a lot of scenes built, and then we were able to stitch, try to stitch them together. And we also had to do things like uh, create trailers and things like that, because when, when you're trying to show, raise money to make a film, a lot of people want to see a trailer, whether it's like a funder or, sure. you know, we did a Kickstarter campaign for the film. Everybody wants to see something. So we had to do, tra- you know, trailers, that, which took sometimes even one week to do a trailer. Mm. And then we had to cut those scenes together. And so it did take about a year of editing. But we didn't edit every day, but uh, just in... We'd go kind of in uh, bursts. You know, we might go, for example, two weeks at a time and then take two weeks off and then come back to it. Um, sometimes the, the editing facility was booked, so we would have to push it, push it till later. But then we had to rush to get it all ready for the Singapore Film Festival. And uh, that was our impetus to get it all 
to get it mm. all finished. What I really loved about this uh, documentary, Craig, was that in a city of constant upheaval, constant change, constant upgrading, here is a, pl- a sense of place and time and continuity and tradition that hasn't changed. In fact, not only is it hasn't changed, when it did try to change, when it had that uh, theme park makeover, which I just about remember in the late 80s to early 90s, it frankly didn't work. So my takeaway from your wonderful documentary was there is a place for heritage, tradition, culture and so on in a, in a city that's constantly changing. Having been on the project for so long, what was your big takeaway from the documentary? Uh, it's hard to have just one takeaway, but I just gained a new appreciation for, you know, I am grateful for like uh, Singapore Tourism Board. They they invest heavily in trying to keep uh, Hopar Villa going. Mm. There's a company called Journeys that manages it very well. And so I, w- I had a new appreciation for that. And just uh, it, the film gave me a chance to, to become closer to some Singaporean traditions that we did unfold in the film. We follow Mr. Tio like through uh, Qingming Festival, Chinese New Year, mm. and going to the going to a Buddhist temple. So yeah, I gained appreciation for that, and just just for the whole uh, hand uh, the handmade quality of these sculptures and the artists who keep them keep them alive. So I just gained a whole appreciation for the uh, just. Uh, an awareness and an appreciation of the, how important it is to keep this place alive and keep it flourishing. And I love the fact that it's for free. Mm. Um, so I think all these things, uh, I, I really hope that they can be continued, you know, for the next hundred years. Hey, Craig, is it uh, my understanding that you're going to have a Facebook Live Q&A tomorrow? Is that still going to happen? Oh, that, okay, that's uh, scheduled for June 7th. June seventh, uh, excuse me. Yeah, the June seventh, uh, five p.m. It's it's not going. It we will uh, the place to check for that would be on the projector website, okay. uh, which is the pro- projector dot sg. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be post, they're going to be having a streaming session, and that's going to feature uh, myself along with uh, Adeline Teo. Adeline Teo is the daughter of the Mr. daughter Teo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember she was in the yeah in the and, film. Yeah. <laughs> She's the youngest daughter, and she's really like the uh, his uh, advocate and speaks on uh, speaks for him. Mm-hmm. He's still doing well. Uh, maybe he'll be in the background of the. Uh, he'll be able to uh, appear on camera for that uh, screening uh, session. That'd be great. But yeah. it, it it'll be a chance for people to ask questions and really hear it from from the source, which is Adeline Teal. Yeah. Just just quickly, Craig, how old is he now? Oh, um, he's uh, mid eighties, so he's about. Uh, 85 years old, uh, like like some people uh, from his era. He actually, I don't think he quite knows his birthday because uh, mm-hmm. he he had to flee during the wartime, and so uh, but he's he's in the vicinity of uh, 85 years old right now. Oh, he's fantastic. still doing well. He still he still uh, plays 4D every day, and he still uh, <laughs> enjoys his uh, his tea at the. Uh, Copetium, and he still smokes his cigarettes. <laughs> so he <laughs> he's still doing well, uh, and he he's very healthy. I think because he's 
he spent so many years hiking up that hill at Hawk River. Yeah, right. Well, the film is The Last Artisan. It's screening on the Projector's online platform, Projector SG, uh, from now. And uh, the rental price is $9.99 for a 24-hour period. And then, of course, next Sunday, the 7th at 5 p.m., there'll be a Facebook Live Q&A with uh, Craig McTurk and others um, on that. And so, Craig, thank you very much uh, for not only putting this film together, but talking to us about it today and giving us the background on it. Well, thank you, Glenn and Neil. I had a great time talking to you guys and uh, kind of spreading the word about this, uh, the great work that they're doing at Hot Park Villa. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.